0: Hello and welcome to the Cloud Director Roundtable, July 2022. Um, Today, we only have Matthias and myself, as all the other ones decided to actually take advantage of the wonderful weather. So we are the only ones who are going to go over primarily the release um, of Cloud Director 10.4 and give you all the necessary updates and hope that... For next month's session, we have more people to join. Maybe we record next month's session actually at VMworld. Maybe we can find a nice spot and do that over there. Oh, damn, it's no longer called VMworld. I think I buy myself a T-shirt. It's like whenever I say VMworld, I mean Explore or something like that. Matthias, how's life?
1: Life's awesome. Got my kitchen devices, as everybody already know, because I posted it on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> just wait eight months, so it's great. Yeah. Yeah joining you because I, I really think we are the only two not being on vacation or anything else. Maybe we don't deserve it. I don't know. But being honest, talking about 10.4 release is more interesting than being on vacation. So, Eve, um, we went through the release notes and we picked a few bullet points of which we think they might be interesting. A few might be for many service providers. Others might be for more rare corner cases we're working in. So, first of all, um, as we are aware, we have a dynamic routing in, in Cloud Director based on NSXT and BGP and all the stuff. And if we use dedicated, a dedicated T0 for a customer of VRF, we're able to configure BGP out of uh, Cloud Director. But now there is a new networking feature in the whole space, which is called Static Routing, on an edge gateway.
0: Yeah, I mean, static. I wouldn't necessarily call static routing a new feature. I mean, that we have it in BCD on the edges (laughs) is a new feature. Uh, Many people actually killed themselves by using too much static routing in the past. So I think it might have been a good idea to not have it in the first place. But as always, there are always these rare corner cases where people need these kinds of things, whether it's to override a dynamic routing table or all kinds of other reasons. And for that, I think it's always good to have parity, Plus it takes us out of the usual problem that we have the discussion with the networking people. It's like, why can't you even do something as simple as a static crowd?
1: So. Yeah, and even have it having it on the edge gateway might be interesting because the service provider can still take care of the global within the SP space routing. And the tenant himself can do a single decision for a network, for example. Another rare corner case, and I think many people hosting lab kits or different or need to move VIP templates all around the globe, um, might like the new feature, which is called Fast Cross vCenter VAP instantiation. What kind of fancy cool new feature is this one?
0: I think, um, to be honest, I haven't fully played around with it. And it sounds like a lot of magic in a black box so far. Um, I need to still figure out how exactly all of that works. But the idea is that you just have a shared data store and you make that accessible on all of your... VCD cells, and then um, if you are instantiating a vApp from one vCenter to another one, you don't have to go through the OVF export and import scenario again. If that works even across VCD instances is another big question, because if that would be working, I could even have a storage which I synchronize across the systems. And to be realistic, most storages are far more effective in in synchronizing in the first place um, over uh, what the catalog does. there seems to be a lot of movement in the backend for these, and I think this could also be just an idea of what's coming ahead with more app catalogs and other things coming in. So I think it's it's a move in the right direction. Also looking at the building block approach, where we say it's like we have more one vCenter per cluster or a small group of clusters per vCenter and more vCenters attached to vCD. So. I think it's a it's a good move, and uh, but I need to definitely dig a bit more into how all of this black magic works.
1: So, so we can expect a few condivision block articles around that topic in the near future.
0: Yes, but I guess after Explore, which is not even four weeks out anymore, so um, I think it's going to be afterwards. But yeah,
1: cool. All right, so. From from a VCT appliance perspective, what I've read is it's now based on Mm -hmm. Photon OS 3.
0: Yes, that was, I would say, an overdue update because uh, the older Photon OS versions, yes, you could still apply security updates, but a lot of it was not up to date. And you could see clearly more and more scenarios of database versions and everything else where things had to be patched um, cross-release and keeping all of that up to date. I think it's now VMware's responsibility to be fair. They decided to move it into an appliance form factor, and that requires them to keep it always up to date, especially something as exposed as Cloud Director, which is directly attached to the internet. So keeping it up on the most modern version is definitely a must-go.
1: Yeah, black box approach implies a lot of responsibilities. Mm -hmm. Speaking of responsibilities, so we always include in designs, please use service accounts to connect different uh, systems together, have a proper password management in place. And then you you might end up like, oh, I forgot to to break inheritance and then I have a a policy forcing me that the password of a service account expires and then it can't talk to service anymore and stuff like this. So does the new service account or token mechanism change that a bit?
0: Um, that is one step um, on, on this trip. In the last release, we could already see that we get the API tokens. The um, or service accounts is the next iteration because it automatically allows you to reiterate tokens, which is also important in a service provider space because you don't want to have one token which is living endlessly. And because reality is, if you have an API token and you don't rotate that, that's in the end nothing really better than a long standing password, even if it's complex. I mean, we can always argue that a long standing password is um is a good thing but it typically ends up in a scenario if it's sitting somewhere stored on another system and is being constantly used that means it's stored in a way that it can be reverse decrypted and that means you can potentially use it for something else so having rotation in these systems is always a good idea and i think that's a good step in the right direction now let's just hope that vmware figures that part out for all the other products and actually comes down to one technology for this and not having uh, one solution in each individual product because that makes troubleshooting just so much fun. (laughs)
1: Nice. So you've already mentioned um, Cloud Director is kind of connected or is accessible from the internet because Mm -hmm. we have tenants accessing VCT on the one hand to configure their stuff and access maybe consoles of their virtual machines. In the past, we had to Open to 50 ports 443 and 8443. And we always forgot at least one of those two. So I heard there's a change uh, in terms of the used ports.
0: Um, Yeah, I mean, we would need to normally look even one more step back in the, let's say, early days of Cloud Director, we always had to have two IP addresses. Then at one point in time, VMware actually moved it from two IP addresses to optional one IP address and two ports, then it became always two ports, and now we are in the position to finally get it into one port, which I think is a good story because this whole storyline around port 8443 was always horrible, not only because of having it, but it also meant we had to re-import the certificate two times. I mean, I haven't checked that I don't need to do that now twice again, but it wouldn't make any sense anymore because we only have one port left. Um, And there were so many caveats around um, the dual port setup that people were actually uh, always questioning why. I mean, it made sense at the um, flash UI phase because the, certificate, the, the whole console thing was run completely independent. But nowadays, it just doesn't make any sense anymore. So it's just the logical consequence to move it all into one application in one, one portfolio.
1: Speaking of certificates, <laughs> um, backing up a Cloud Directory appliance was always a big fun, especially if you want to restore it in terms of certificates.
0: Yeah, that was always the point where you had to remind people as do you know where your certificate is? And this is something which I started to add even to our uh, checklist a while ago for upgrade projects because in the last, let's say, one or two years, we at least once, not twice, came into the situation that we had to roll back and uh, back up. And in that specific case, you have the wonderful experience that then the certificate is no longer there. And just saving the key store by itself doesn't work, by the way. Um, so I had enough people trying to explain to me, it's like, why didn't you store the key store? It's like, this is not how this works. Um, so um, that's fixed now. So since 10.4, the export and backup can actually um, store that as well. On the other side, um, this can now actually, the appliance can also store the Postgres and appliance UI Certificate. So what you have on the VAMI, um, I find that a bit shocking because that for me at the moment uh, sounds like this is a separate step and only available via the management UI. So I hope that that's just going to be an interim solution and we get all of that into the full blown backup in the next release, because it doesn't make sense to pull off two backups um, at the same point in time, but yeah. One step in the right direction and the next step will follow.
1: Exactly. So the last interesting feature I would like to know today is IOPS limits. So uh, in many infrastructures, non, non-VSAN based infrastructures, to be more precisely from a VCD perspective, uh, you haven't had the chance to limit IOPS for a Disk a virtual machine from a tenant perspective or for an object. So that was a bit of a. So you always need to build a workaround to limit or have not one customer affecting many other customers by just consuming all the IOPS a storage system provides. So what I've heard is VCD in 10.4 enables to limit IOPS on a per object base by not having a vSAN based storage policy.
0: Yeah, let's call it that way. That feature has been there already since 10.1 or 10.2. It evolved step-by-step. So when you look at um, vCenter, you have storage IO controls in vCenter normally, but those are very hard bound down to a VMDK or a complete data store or something else. So what VMware did um, with the initial introduction of the feature was to build something similar to what you have as a resource pool, just for storage pools. So you can define a storage amount per gigabyte or per, per, um, uh, per VMDK or per customer. And then in the back end, cloud director would actually do all the magical mathematical calculations and rebuild that down to individual pools within storage IO control and makes that work. So you can define as a service provider exactly what most service providers look for that I can say, let's say I give customers 100 IOPS per gigabyte or whatever number you want to say. And um, then you can also specify how big an IOP is and stuff like that. That, however, most of that was only controllable via um, either the um, API or very limited in the UI. And a lot of that was also only controllable by the service provider. So what they changed in 10.4 now is giving even also down to the customer the opportunity that in theory, as a service provider, I can give my customer a total of let's say 100,000 IOPS and now the customer can assign that to individual disks and objects, which gives the customer a lot more flexibility. On the other side, this also means for the service provider, it gets even harder to plan because no storage, no good anything is, has endless IOPS in the end. So. Um, it still requires that you have necessary capacity, so what we always suggest, if you use any of these features, take a close look with tools like VROps or other things on what's really available, what I do you have to consume, and how much spare capacity do you have, because doesn't doesn't help you any other way. But other than that, that feature works pretty well. I wrote a white paper for a vendor a few months back on that specific topic, but they haven't released it yet. So I cannot actually just go out there and share it um, um, at the moment. But um, yes, the feature is great. Um, moving it more into the UI is great as well. And it actually becomes now better than what VMware has in Visa. And so it will be interesting to see how Visa keeps up with it.
1: Cool. Thanks. So, folks, these are the topics we thought about taking care of or talk about in that uh, pretty short session and speaking about UI and API. Eve, mm-hmm. That reminds me of something. Guys, please read the release notes carefully this time. VMware is clearly saying within the release notes that... API versions 33 up to 35.2 will be deprecated with the next major release of Cloud Director. That has a huge implication on API authentication mechanisms in first place and maybe many minor impacts on different API calls, whatever. I haven't looked it through in detail. So speed up try to move as many API calls you using your automation processes, especially with the rest API from the old cloud director based API to the new cloud API, just to be safe, better be safe than sorry. So be careful on that one, especially upgrading someone in the future from 10.4, whatever to the next major release because of, the massively changing api and maybe if as a last statement nsx v2t migrations
0: yeah so just one one step back quickly on the apis keep in mind not only your own automation but any third party tool you are using is also using the api in most cases to talk to cloud director so Um, whether it's a backup solution, monitoring, documentation tools, all of these wonderful tools are using APIs. So it's better to start now evaluating that all of them are really built for the newer APIs. And if they haven't started to go down that pathway, push your vendor a bit harder because um, just one scenario, there is a great new feature in, let's say, the 10.next or vcd.next or however you want to call it and you desperately need that and you can't get there because they haven't even started the api conversion process um, and then they are going to tell you it's going to take them a year or so Uh, you don't want to be in that situation so let's make sure everybody's up to date um, validate those tools coming now back to the nsx storyline so any six V 2 T migration we know by now because V is already end of everything because of January this year. Um, the majority of people have already been migrated over to T. Um, We only get the exceptions actually knocking at our door and asking for help. Um, That call, which I was just on um, uh, this afternoon was I think just a time bomb scenario. It was just 15, I think availability zones or no 15 regions which need to be still migrated. Um, And they even don't yet have the hardware for it. So that's going to be even more interesting. So NSX V2T, um, the migration tool is only supported, at least as it currently states in the release notes, up until January next year. So if you run into any issues during your migration or if you need desperately any additional features for your migration to be successful, if you want to con- convince VMware to add anything to that tool, your last chance is potentially within the next few weeks. After that, we are done. We already have end of July. So... Get I remember correctly.
1: Going. What did they write? January 23?
0: January 2023.
1: Yeah. That's another so six So that
0: means, does not mean that the tool doesn't work afterwards, or at least that's what I would hope, that the tool will still continue to work afterwards. But there is no support. The no support is really not necessarily what worries me. But over the last two years, we have seen enough cases where service providers had very special cases and VMware was generous enough to customize the migration tool for any of these, or not for any, but for many of these cases. And with end of support, end of everything, they will most likely not do any of that anymore. So if you have special cases, better get your tires going and get at least started on the migration path so that by January you are feeling safe that all of that works. In the end, we know um, it's most likely going to be at least, I would guess, another year until the majority is migrated, but without time pressure, we all work in IT. We never get things done. So that's the best condition. And I think that's, that's it, at least for me. I'm looking forward in four weeks. I just did uh, a few more planning sessions already for um, Explore. I know that I'm going to be joined, I think, by Matthias or by Sasha or by Toby uh, to talk about um, NSX and VCD, We have um, a few sessions in the community booth. Um, I'm not sure who decided to put one of our sessions on Thursday morning, 9 a.m. I'm still working with Corey on that one.
1: No, not mine, no. (laughs) No.
0: I'm working with Corey on that one still um, because I I told Corey is like, this is the slot for people who are actually doing the first time a session at VMworld. This is not our first time. So even it has a new name. We are not going to start down the pathway of uh, the day after the party 9 a.m. sessions. Um, And um, as far as I heard, it's not yet confirmed. I might actually also be uh, presenting um, on the AWS booth and in one AWS session um, during Explore. So there will be more to find us. So find us, grab us, grab a drink with us and uh, say hello.
1: I think we are at VMware Explorer San Francisco with seven people, am I right?
0: San Francisco's seven people as far as I have seen. And I think uh, Barcelona is eight or nine people um, yes. at the moment. But so. we have
1: additional sessions before Barcelona. So that's cool. We so, have. Yves, thanks for your time. I think it's up Thank to wrap it time. up. Next session, we won't be in separated rooms. I guess so. Will be San Francisco, maybe a different format there with interviews, whatever. We will come up with some. Let's do a one-year anniversary special edition or something in San Francisco for the VCD Roundtable. All right. Thanks for watching us covering some interesting features and bullets we think are interesting to take care of from the release notes of VCD 10.4. And hopefully see you next time at VMware Explore in San Francisco.
0: That's the idea. It's no longer called VMware. Get the T-shirt. If I say VMworld, hard. I mean Explore. But Thank the good you news all. Is, see you. The
1: good news is, as the last sentence, the vmworld.com link or URL is still working. <laughs>
0: I think VMware is not relatively quickly giving up that domain name. That would just be stupid because people would do crazy, crazy things with it. So um, I think that's locked down and the trademark is still on them. So even if you grab the domain name, I think that would not actually end very well. Good. Thank you all. Have a wonderful few weeks and see you all in San Francisco, Barcelona, or on this bitstream in the future.
1: Thanks. Bye.
0: Bye.